Episode 30, The Exodus. The time has finally come. Although the Israelites had to leave in a hurry, they didn't go empty-handed. The Egyptians would give away much gold and silver just to get the Israelites out of the land. And in remembrance, the Lord would implement the Passover that was to be celebrated from generation to generation. Welcome to the History of the Bible podcast. When Moses walks out of the meeting with the king of Egypt, saying that they will never see each other again face to face, he goes out to the Israelites to give them instructions. The Lord tells Moses that from then on out, the day would be celebrated as the first month of the year for the Israelites, and that the Israelites were to get a one-year-old male lamb on the tenth day of that month that had no blemishes and keep it until the fourteenth day of that month. On the fourteenth day, at twilight, the lamb was to be killed. The Passover is celebrated from the 15th through the 22nd of the Hebrew month of Nisan. So when the Lord told the Israelites to kill the lamb on the 14th day at twilight, it was really the beginning of the 15th that it happened on. Because the Jewish day actually starts at nightfall, not at midnight. Once the lamb was killed, they were to take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost of the houses that they were eating at. They were to use a bunch of hyssop to smear the blood on the post. The hyssop was seen as something that was used for purification and cleansing. In Exodus 12, verse 13, it says that when the Lord sees the blood on the doorpost, that he will pass over that house and not bring death to the firstborn. Thus where the name Passover came from. When the Lord tells the Israelites that they will observe the time that the Lord passed over the Israelites in Egypt, he also gives them the meal in which to celebrate the day. The week-long celebration was a time when work was not done, and the lamb that was killed was to be roasted over a fire. The lamb is to be eaten that night. Nothing of it should be left over until morning, and if there were leftovers, they would be burned. Along with the roasted lamb, the Lord also tells the Israelites to eat unleavened bread for the whole feast. Unleavened bread is just bread that has no yeast inside of it. And there's a reason why God had them eat unleavened bread for this feast. With the unleavened bread, the Lord also tells them to eat bitter herbs with it. This feast is very important to the Israelites. And still, today the Jewish people celebrate this feast. It celebrates not only the Lord passing over the Israelites from the death of the firstborns, but also them leaving Egypt. That is why in Exodus 12, verse 11, the Lord tells the Israelites how to dress when eating the meal. It says that they are to have their belt fastened, sandals on, and staff in hand, and then to eat in haste. This was to help the Israelites to remember that during the first Passover, they were preparing to leave Egypt in a hurry. This is why their bread was to be unleavened, because they wouldn't have enough time for the bread to rise and then be cooked. So they just skipped the dough rising and ate unleavened bread with the meal. A sign to the Israelites that they would be delivered very quickly and that they would need to be ready for it. The Passover was to be celebrated every year by the Israelites. Today it is still celebrated. The meal is called Seder and it has 15 parts to it. The first part is the recognizing of the holiness of the day and a prayer is given while holding the first of four cups of wine. The reason that wine is used and there is four cups is because wine is a symbol of joy and happiness 
and the four cups each point to a promise of God delivering them. In Exodus 6, verse 6 and 7, God says that I will bring you out from under the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you with great acts, and I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. The second part is the washing of the hands to prepare to eat the meal. The third part is the blessing that is given while eating vegetables that are dipped into salt water. The fourth is the breaking of matzah, or unleavened bread, in half. The splitting of the bread is thought to represent the splitting of the Red Sea. The story of the Exodus, at this point, is told to the family and another cup of wine is poured out. This is the fifth part of the meal. The sixth part is the washing of the hands, again before the meal to show the purification and sanctification. This time, though, a blessing is given. Here, the second cup of wine is drank. The seventh part is taking the bread and blessing it. The eighth is the consumption of the bread. The ninth part is eating of the bitter herbs with another blessing. The tenth is taking pieces of bread and placing the bitter herbs in between it to make a sandwich, and then it is eaten. At this point, the meal is served as the eleventh part. The twelfth part is an activity for the kids. Earlier in the meal, a piece of bread was hidden. It was the kids that would need to go find it. The thirteenth part is another blessing and the drinking of the third cup of wine. The fourteenth part is the singing of a song of praise and the last cup of wine is drank. The last part of the meal is the exclamation of next year in Jerusalem. This is just a summary of the meal that is used today to continue the celebration of the Passover, the moment when the Lord passed over those that had blood smeared across their doorposts. At midnight, the Lord showed up in Egypt, and with him came the last plague upon the Egyptians. It would be the death of all the firstborns, from the king on the throne to the people in the dungeon, even the livestock were not able to escape the death of their firstborns. In Exodus 12, verse 30, it says that there was a great cry in Egypt because there was not a single Egyptian house that was not affected by the death of someone. This last plague is thought to be an attack on the king himself rather than on a specific god or goddess. The king himself was believed to be partly divine, either because of the position that he held or because it was also thought that the king was a reincarnation of the god Ra and Osiris. As the king, he was seen to be the one that was supposed to keep favor with the gods by bringing Mot's kingdom, a rule of order, on to the earth. There is also another thing of interest. There's a legend in Egyptian mythology that tells a story of a god or a king that lived in the old kingdom that would judge with him whose name is hidden on the day of the slain of the firstborn. Although this isn't talking about the killing of people, but more so the death of the firstborn gods, it does point out that the Egyptians would have been familiar with this type of judgment. For the scholars that believe the plagues to be connected to the creation of the world in Genesis, they say that the tenth plague was to do the opposite of what God did in the beginning. When God created man, he made him in his image. But instead of creating, God was destroying. The tenth plague, being related to the chain reaction theory, points out that the translation of one of the words in the Bible could actually mean first fruits rather than firstborn. However, it's pointed out that the Bible goes into very specific detail of the firstborn dying, not first fruits. 
Plus, there wouldn't be a need to have a Passover feast for the first fruits dying. So an alternative thought is given in regards to the last plague and the chain reaction theory. It said that the reason that the firstborn may have died was because of poisonous mold that was growing on top of the grain that was growing that would have been affected by the locust. And it was only the firstborns that died because they were given the first portion due to their privileged status. But this is hard to believe because there was no food left over after the plague of locusts and hail to gather and eat. When midnight struck, the tenth plague came and killed the firstborns. The king of Egypt would call for Moses and Aaron in the middle of the night and told them to go. The king allowed for all the people to leave Egypt and to go serve the Lord, as well as all of their flocks and herds. The king only asked that Moses would bless him also. At this point, the Bible only indicates that the king still believes that the Israelites are only wanting to go out into the wilderness for three days to serve their God and then come back to Egypt to continue working. But the rest of the Egyptians wanted them out for good and quickly too. The Egyptians feared that the Israelites were going to kill them all. So before the Israelites left, they went and asked the Egyptians for their silver, gold, and clothing, and the Egyptians gladly gave it to them. The Egyptians left in a hurry, not letting their bread rise. This is why the Lord calls the Israelites to eat unleavened bread, often called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, during the Passover. Because they were in such a hurry, it would be a sign to all generations for the Israelites. There's evidence today showing in Cahun, where the Israelites were believed to have lived, a large amount of things were abandoned. Things that were not usually left behind, such as tools, household items, and personal possessions that would have been packed up, were all left behind, indicating that the sudden departure was done in a very short notice. This goes with Exodus 12 verse 33, in which the Egyptians wanted to get the Israelites out of their land in a haste. At last, after hundreds of years, the Israelites were preparing to depart Egypt. The ten plagues were done in a fairly short time period. The flooding of the Nile River happened sometime in August. The death of the firstborn happened around April, as that is usually when the Passover is celebrated. The reason that it is thought that there were ten plagues was because ten could represent perfection, creation, and fullness. Some scholars believe that it could mean the fullness of God's judgment and justice being poured out, or that it is referring to the ten times that God said that he was creating in Genesis. Although some scholars believe that the events in Egypt were just natural events that just happened to come about one after the other, oftentimes it is a way to explain away the greatness of God. It was God who demonstrated his power to the Israelites and Egyptians through wonders against the Egyptians' gods and goddesses. The word plagues isn't always the best word to use. A plague can sometimes just be referring to a disease. But in Hebrew, the word plague is often translated to mean sharp blows and calamity, not just disease. From that day on, the Lord told Moses that all firstborn children and animals were to be set apart for the Lord. So serious was this that the Lord said that when an animal was giving birth to its firstborn, a lamb was to be used to redeem it. But if it was not redeemed, the neck of the animal was to be broken. 
If a woman was to give birth to her firstborn, it too should be redeemed with a lamb. The Passover, redemption of the firstborns, and the feast of unleavened bread were all to be done for all generations as a sign of things that the Lord had done to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. When the king of Egypt let the Israelites go, they didn't go along the route of the way of the sea, because the Lord said that the people would change their minds about wanting to leave when they saw war coming. The way of the sea was a road that followed the Mediterranean Sea, which was the quickest route, but instead they went on the desert road that would lead them towards the Red Sea, or sometimes translate it the Reed Sea. When the Israelites left, it says in Exodus 13 verse 19, that Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, because the sons of Israel promised to take his bones when the Lord would come to Egypt to bring them out to the land of their forefathers. Long before the Israelites left Egypt, Joseph knew that the promises that God had given them, and he believed them. The Lord went before them by day as a cloud, and by night it was a pillar of fire. When the Israelites left Egypt, they stopped in Sukkah, where they prepared to leave Egypt for good. From there they went south to Etham, which is on the edge of the wilderness, just west of the Red Sea. They would soon come to the Red Sea and be placed in a position between a rock and a hard place. So join us next time in episode 31, The Sea of What? Thanks for listening to the History of the Bible podcast. We want to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. Please check out the links in the show notes. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.